Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage. You're listening to Radio Rounds, a talk show created and hosted by medical students and physicians in training, where today's stories are told by tomorrow's doctors. Today's episode talks about the importance of errors in medicine. So we develop rules of thumb uh, or shortcuts. And the the concept here is that sometimes these uh, shortcuts will trap us. Uh, Framing is is one of of the more common ones where information is presented to you in such a way that it triggers a certain thought process almost unconsciously, which actually could lead you in the wrong direction. More on how some interesting cognitive errors that physicians can make while diagnosing patients. We will hear from Dr. Martin Samuels of the Harvard Medical School with examples from his own career, right now on Radio Rounds. Today, we will hear from Dr. Martin Samuels, chairman of the Department of Neurology at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, and professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School, a leading authority on the relationships between neurology and general medicine, and one of the foremost medical educators in the country. Dr. Samuels has also hosted a number of programs on ReachMD on XM Satellite Radio. We'll be airing the whole interview in three episodes on Radio Rounds. This week, Dr. Samuels discusses the importance of errors in medicine with our correspondent, Lakshman Swami. I know you've described a few different cognitive errors that can lead to problems in decision-making in medicine. And I think this is a fascinating concept as medical students are learning to learning to make decisions and judgments and, and make diagnoses in medicine, that there are these pitfalls that you've documented that you've experienced even. If, if we could talk about maybe three of them, um, I know one you've described before is uh, the idea of framing effects. These uh, ideas, of course, are not my ideas, that uh, there is a very rich literature in cognitive psychology uh, in which these categories of misuse uh, of heuristics occur. So a heuristic is a, is a rule of thumb or a shortcut. Uh, it's critical that we use heuristics, uh, particularly in this era, because we're seeing patients very rapidly. We can't do a complete history and a complete exam on every patient, and it would be wasteful. And we would find false positives. So, so I'm not arguing that heuristics are bad. So we develop rules of thumb uh, or shortcuts. And the, the concept here is that sometimes these uh, shortcuts will trap us. Uh, framing is, is one of uh, one of the more common ones where information is presented to you in such a way that it triggers a certain thought process, almost unconsciously, which actually could lead you in the wrong direction. Let me give you an example. If somebody were to say to you, a 47-year-old woman became weak rapidly while on vacation in Mexico, uh, what would you say? I think the listener, if they were honest, would say that they do have some ideas which have come into their mind. This is uh, involuntary. You, you can't really control the fact that if you're a doctor and you hear that little prologue, you're going to have some ideas. And what might those ideas be? Well, you might say uh, maybe she had diarrhea, maybe it was Campylobacter, and if it were Campylobacter, maybe she's developed a Guillain-Barre-like syndrome. Or you might think that she was intoxicated with some kind of fish toxin. 
or you might uh, you might think that she might have uh, suffered from trichinosis, which would give her muscle weakness. In actual fact, that particular case, that's a case from my own error series, turned out to be hypokalemia caused by a renal tubular acidosis, which in turn had been caused by Sjogren's syndrome. It actually had nothing at all do, to do with the trip to Mexico. So what happened there, and the reason I got trapped and thought it was trichinosis, was that uh, I made the mistake of believing that information comes to you as if an editor has edited it in advance. So when we read the New England Journal CPC, we read the headline, and it says something like that. A 47-year-old woman gets weak rapidly in Mexico. Uh, and you, you're led to think of a certain group of uh, diagnoses having to do with Mexico. In real life, of course, things are not edited that way. And the information comes to you uh, at random. That is the framing heuristic, right? So that uh, it's okay to, to begin to think of a number of things that could happen in Mexico. But you have to realize that uh, it's more likely that this is uh, nothing to do with being in Mexico at all. Uh, and that's where I got trapped. So that's, a, that's an example of being trapped in the, in the framing heuristic. Sounds like that's something that can happen very commonly even to younger students as well as older astute clinicians. Something that it really is a way that I think a lot of us are taught. That's how I've experienced morning report so many times, these stems which guide you in a way. And it is interesting that, of course, patients don't present like that to you in the clinic or in, in the hospital. Uh, another example of one of these cognitive psychology shortcuts that could trip you up maybe is uh, this idea of anchoring effects. Can you talk about that a little bit? Anchoring is, uh, is uh, otherwise known as stubbornness. <laughs> so, and uh, we're all actually susceptible to this, not just doctors. Human beings are susceptible to this. By that, by that I mean one can fall in love with one's own ideas and then be unable to switch even though you're faced with data which are contrary to your initial theory. I had an example of uh, that occur to me when I was presented a case of somebody who developed an orthostatic headache. Uh, as a man who was in the military, he had had some head and neck injuries in the military, and now he said he had headaches when he stood up. And I immediately thought that this was low spinal fluid pressure, uh, CSF hypotension, in other words, a version of a lumbar puncture headache, but without the lumbar puncture. And furthermore, I, I was even uh, further anchored because the uh, residents who were presenting the case in Morning Report showed me an image which showed that he had pachymeningeal enhancement. That means the dura is enhanced on the MRI scan. And that's what happens when, when spinal fluid pressure is low. So I became, I became anchored in this diagnosis. I, was, I felt very certain that I had the right answer. I jumped to the, to, the, to the diagnosis quickly, and then when I saw the one additional piece of data, I couldn't get off it. But then they said to me, but, but we tapped him, and the pressure was not low. So I rationalized it away. I said, well, it must be you positioned him wrong or something. They said, yes, but not only was the pressure not, uh, not, high, uh, not low, as you predicted, Dr. Samuels, but uh, there were also cells in the spinal fluid, uh, a significant number of cells, and the protein was elevated. And, and I still rationalized it away. So now I had three bits of data that didn't fit my original idea. And I said, well, maybe he was on non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which he was taking for his headaches, and we know that they can cause meningitis, 
allergic meningitis. Maybe that was it. They said, well, we don't think he was on nonsteroidals. I said, well, a lot of people take nonsteroidals, and they don't tell you. So now you see I'm getting more and more anchored into this original idea, and I have fallen in love with my idea. And uh, this contrary data is just unable to sway me. So anyway, they uh, ultimately biopsied the dura mater, and they found granulomas, uh, which turned out to be syphilitic granulomas, and he had a positive serology for syphilis, both in his blood and his spinal fluid. And when asked, in retrospect, did he ever have syphilis, he said, oh, yeah, I had syphilis when I was in the service, and I don't remember whether I was treated or not. So there, there you are. It was all really in the history, but I became so rapidly anchored in uh, what turned out to be the wrong idea, I just could not give it up. And uh, I think, you know, we're all susceptible to this, right, because um, it might be a political candidate or uh, a particular idea that you might have. You become enamored with the idea, and then the data comes into the contrary. You just can't accept it. So we're susceptible to this. In order to be better doctors, better clinicians, we have to try to be willing to give up on an idea if enough data comes in that tells you that you probably were wrong. Uh, one final example I wanted you to, to describe a little bit about is this idea of the availability heuristic. Availability means that uh, an idea is easily available to you. By that I mean cognitively easily available. Uh, and ideas that are easily available are usually available for two reasons. Uh, the most common reason is, is they were recent. So recent, recent memories are clear in our minds. So a recent memory takes on more weight than a distant memory. And secondly, the limbic valence, the salience, the importance of the event, gives it weight as well. So if you've seen something, either recently or something which was very memorable for one reason or another, including something that you were wrong about, that will take on enormous meaning to you. And you will probably, you can put too much, uh, too much weight on that uh, experience. There's a very nice experiment in cognitive psychology where the investigators uh, asked a group of surgeons and anesthesiologists what do they think the risk of a blood transfusion was. And then they uh, put together a, a panel of experts. A panel of experts said that the actual risk of a blood transfusion was somewhere between 1 and 4 percent. It turned out that these surgeons and anesthesiologists who had had personal bad experiences with blood transfusions uh, more than doubled that risk. They thought the risk was 10 percent, whereas the group of anesthesiologists and surgeons who didn't have a personal experience actually correctly identified that it was somewhere around 5 percent. So that means that uh, the people who had a personal bad limbic experience with blood transfusions overestimated the risk of blood transfusions. That's the availability heuristic. It was close um, in their minds. My own personal experience was that was, I've had a lot of these, but one of them was, uh, was a patient I saw with vitamin B12 deficiency uh, from pernicious anemia, autoimmune pernicious anemia. Uh, it was a fairly classical case. Uh, the woman had a subacute combined degeneration. She was demented. Uh, she had vitiligo. She had hypothyroidism which is the cluster of autoimmunity that we see with B12 deficiency, I had, I had recognized the syndrome correctly, I had treated her correctly, and she had recovered. And I, was, I felt very good about it. And uh, I thought, wow, this, is a, this was a memorable experience. And then about a month later, 
I saw another patient, this time a middle-aged man who had had a gastric resection some years earlier, swore to us all that he was taking his vitamins, but he also developed uh, weakness in his legs and upgoing toes. Uh, he did not develop dementia, but he did develop a, a, a spinal cord disease, and it looked by imaging to be posterior and lateral in the spinal cord. And I had just seen this case of subacute combined degeneration, and I said to the residents, look at this, we've seen, a, we've seen a second case. It's only been a month, isn't that remarkable? And it looked, it just looked the same to me. On carefully thinking about it later, once, once the correct diagnosis was learned, I realized that it actually wasn't exactly the same. The first patient was demented and had a spinal cord disease, and the second patient was not demented. He had a spinal cord disease, but he also had a neuropathy. So in actual fact, if I thought about it really carefully as a real neurologist, I would have said that the first patient had an encephalomyelopathy and the second patient had a myeloneuropathy. And that would have helped me, you see, because I would have said, well, these can't be the same disease. These are two different diseases. And that would have helped me, but unfortunately, because of the availability heuristic, the other one was so fresh in my mind that I threw out the inconsistency the fact that there was uh, no dementia in that second patient and that there was a neuropathy. Fortunately, the attending on the service and the residents did, hadn't had the previous experience. And when they looked at this patient, they said, well, why don't we check uh, copper level? So they checked a copper level, and lo and behold, this patient was severely copper deficient. And it turned out the reason for it was that he had taken uh, supplemental zinc, which he had bought in a health food store because he felt like his appetite hadn't been too good and his libido was a little down. And he asked the guy in the health food store what he should take. The guy says, why don't you take zinc? Well, it turns out that zinc competes with copper for absorption. And by taking that zinc, he made himself severely copper deficient. Copper produces a myeloneuropathy. It doesn't produce an encephalomyelopathy. But it was close enough so that that availability heuristic trapped me. And uh, I couldn't get off it. Luckily, the patient... The correct diagnosis was made, but I made a cognitive error there, which was caused by this uh, so-called availability heuristic, the most recent case phenomenon. That was Dr. Martin Samuels, chairman of the Department of Neurology at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, and professor of neurology at Harvard Medical School. Stay tuned to Radio Rounds as our medical intern and correspondent Lakshman Swamy digs deeper and asks Dr. Samuels about steps physicians can take to avoid making errors. In the meantime, remember that you can download podcasts of all past episodes. Just search the iTunes store for Radio Rounds or visit www.radiorounds.org. You can also contact our team via email, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. All that information is at radiorounds.org. Production made possible in part by MedPlus Advantage, providing group disability and life insurance to students and residents through participating educational institutions. Visit us at medplusadvantage.com. Radio Rounds is also proudly partnered with the Student Doctor Network, online at studentdoctor.net. Find answers to your questions about medical school or residency programs. Ask questions in our online forums and get answers quickly. It's fast, easy, and available now at studentdoctor.net. Of course, please remember that the views and opinions expressed on Radio Rounds are not representative of the views and opinions of the partners of Radio Rounds. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. It's great to be back with you, and we hope you have a fantastic week. For the entire staff here at Radio Rounds, 
I'm Imran Ali, and one day I'll be your doctor.